Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ask Us Anything, where popular science addresses fact versus fiction on pressing topics like weed overdoses and Hollywood's favorite sea monsters. I'm Prabita Saha, Pop Size Deputy Editor and your host for today. And I'm producer Jess Bodie. Prabita, welcome to the show. I hear today's episode is going to take a deep dive into a fishy mystery. Wow, yeah. Uh, today, <laughs> we're asking whether the mythical Megalodon, a giant ancient shark most folks know from the movies, might actually still exist today. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It sounds a little bit scary. <laughs> and as it turns out, the answer to whether Meg lives on is a little bit complicated. We'll get into it after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And Prabita is here to tell us uh, if we'll ever go into the water again. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, that Jaws <laughs> reference is apt, Jess. Uh, for a long time, Hollywood writers and paleontological experts alike portrayed Odotus megalodon as a great white shark on steroids. That started back in the 1800s when Swiss naturalist Louis Agassiz first coined the megalodon genus while describing the massive, serrated shark teeth that had been found around the world since antiquity. He speculated that they must have come from a megatooth relative of the Great White, since those were the largest sharks modern humans knew of. We now know that while these sharks really were huge, stretching about 50 feet long compared to around 20 feet for the very biggest great whites, Odotus megalodon probably descended about 16 million years ago from an even older group of megatooth sharks. And it probably went extinct around 3.5 million years ago. Great whites first started showing up in oceans around the world about 5 million years ago, so there's some good overlap there. But megalodons probably weren't much like great whites at all. And that gives us some clues as to what may have happened to them. Okay, and so let's let's rewind for a minute. Do people seriously think this giant shark still exists? Like, wouldn't we have noticed if there was just a giant shark swimming around? You've hit the shark right on the nose with that one, Jess. Nice. Um, but really, <laughs> don't, don't hit sharks on the nose. That doesn't actually work. Uh, it doesn't? I, you can read more about it on popsci.com, but yeah, we have some pretty good explainers on why that, again, is more of fiction than fact. Oh, wow. Um, I'm learning so much, but yes, go on, go on. (laughs) To go back to your first question, 
Uh, one of our favorite freelance contributors, Riley Black, wrote a whole feature about Megalodon for Popular Science that explains why urban legends and pseudo-documentaries and B-movie flicks starring Jason Statham <laughs> keep trying to resurrect the Megalodon and what the shark would look like today if it had actually survived all this time. Because yes, by all serious scientific accounts, the Meg went extinct some 3.5 million years ago, but one historical incident keeps people guessing. See, in the 1800s, the HMS Challenger dredged up four-inch-long teeth from a depth of 14,000 feet near Tahiti. That made some folks speculate that these creatures had lived really deep in the ocean, a place we've barely begun to explore. There was a particularly memorable quote on this in Riley's article by Louisiana University oceanographer Craig McLean. Quote, as a deep sea explorer and as a scientist who spends a lot of time researching known ocean giants, I really want there to be some unknown one that is undiscovered and to make that discovery, end quote. And he's not wrong. There's still so much left to unpack on Meg. Yeah, it really reminds me of one of my favorite animals and definitely my favorite animal crossing fish, uh, which is the coelacanth. And uh, I talked about it on Weirdest Thing last uh Gosh, maybe in 2020, not even last year, which is wild to think. Uh, but weirdest thing is our sister podcast, if you haven't checked it out yet. Um, but basically, scientists thought the coelacanth was extinct for like years and years and years until they just like found one back in 1938. Uh, and they aren't small fish. They can be like six feet long and weigh almost 200 pounds. And they were just out there living life deep in the ocean. I would love to see a coelacanth in Me too. IRL. <laughs> yes, big same, big same. Yeah, I mean, it's tempting to suggest that even a giant shark could hide out in these enigmatic depths. Uh, then there's the fact that in 1959, a somewhat fringe zoologist examined the HMS Challenger specimens and claimed that they were just 11,300 years old. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty new for a species that supposedly went extinct more than three million years ago. Exactly. But unfortunately for all the Meg fans out there, both of these pieces of evidence have major caveats. Other scientists absolutely disagreed with that anachronistic dating for the teeth, and every other bit of Meg we've found in the fossil record has shown that they probably hugged the coast, swimming in shallow waters like the great whites we know and love today. That makes the notion that we might not notice their continued presence seem way less feasible. Okay, yeah, that stinks. I was hoping for a secret Megalodon. <laughs> but just to be perfectly clear, we're not suggesting that these ancient sharks still exist. They almost certainly don't. Yeah. But as Riley makes clear in her piece, it's important to note that even if they did still lurk in the depths, they'd probably be a lot less cinematic than we like to imagine oh go on <laughs> <laughs> to circle back to what i was saying earlier the first thing to realize about megalodons is that even in their heyday they probably didn't just look like massive great whites because shark skeletons are made of cartilage they don't fossilize well like other groups of fish so most of what we learned about the species is purely from its teeth Mm. There are some similarities between megalodon and great white chompers, like serrations on the ends of the teeth, 
which is why for a long time, paleontologists thought the two were closely related. But in 2012, a new shark fossil pulled out of Peru made experts switch course. The preserved parts included an entire jaw, which made for a better comparison to modern-day species. The researchers concluded that this newly discovered prehistoric shark was a better match to the great white, as well as the much older mako shark, and possibly served as an evolutionary bridge for the two. That, in large part, quashed the idea that great whites are direct descendants of megalodon. Even if they were close cousins, there's no particular reason to think all giant sharks have to look like great whites. Recent research by DePaul University paleobiologist Kenshu Shimada compared five warm-blooded shark species from the same family as megalodon and saw that there were no specific criteria that dictated their shapes or body types. Great whites look like great whites, makos look like makos, and so on. So it's possible that our incredible Hulk perspective on Megalodon is totally off. Right. Okay, wow, that's wild. So if we were trying to find a living Megalodon, what would we even know to look for? Well, Riley talked to some marine scientists who are willing to imagine what Meg would have looked like as a deep sea lurker, similar to how Hollywood depicts it in their films, which, as we discussed before, is pretty much the only way it's even a little possible that they still exist. If they're hiding down in the depths, the species would probably look very different from what we've imagined. Svelte and cigar-shaped, almost like the eerie kitefin sharks that live in the benthic zone today. Oh. That's because there's simply no way an old-school megalodon could have survived near the seafloor. They probably weighed about 100,000 pounds at peak size, which means they would have burned close to 18 pounds of fat a day just to stay warm. Creatures that live in the ocean's deepest depths have to subsist on tiny scraps of food. So what I'm hearing is that even in the unlikely case that a descendant of the megalodon has been going incognito in the deep sea, there's zero chance of a sci-fi channel style monster fish emerging from the deep. That's right. Riley even talks about how great whites might have caused Meg's downfall. Oh, Game of Thrones plot twist. (laughs) Please elaborate. It sort of comes down to the way both predators operated. The location of most Meg fossils hints that it stuck, again, to shallow coastal waters, Mm. where it likely snacked on large fish, whales, and other marine animals. But this part of the ocean was also more susceptible to temperature drops during the Earth's climatic shifts in the later Cenozoic era. This might have put Megalodon's food in short supply. And as I just explained, Meg needed to eat a lot to prosper. A colder marine habitat would have favored a smaller killer, at least by prehistoric standards. Once the Great White hit the scene, again, that was about 5 million years ago, Mm. it probably started competing with Megs for food. The more puny sharks might have actually had the advantage in this scenario. Yeah, that actually sounds very reasonable. For sure. And speaking of being reasonable, this is a great place for us to pause and remind ourselves that sharks are not really scary or dangerous. I mean, I wouldn't go for a swim off the Jersey Shore with one, (laughs) and neither should any of our listeners. But sharks definitely don't hunt us down for food or sport. Most of the few bites that occur each year are either provoked or seem to be accidental. It's a cliche for sure, 
but we're way more dangerous to them than they are to us. In 2013, statistics suggested that humans kill around 100 million sharks across all species every year. It's so sad, and I'm so glad you brought this up because it is a very important thing to remind ourselves of. Um, Jaws is like one of my favorite movies ever. I think nostalgia is probably a big part of that for me, but that narrative of, you know, we have to kill this shark before it kills all of us is super problematic. Uh, And it is really disappointing to hear how many sharks humans kill each year. Totally. And just because the Megalodon probably doesn't still lurk in the deep and definitely isn't a terrifying giant in any case, doesn't mean we don't have plenty left to discover when it comes to sharks. Even with great whites, which we track so closely and do many, many studies on, we only just found out that the species can live longer than 70 years. These creatures, they deserve our awe and respect. Yeah, agreed. Hear, hear. One last thing for our listeners, now that we're at the end of our Megalodon yarn, definitely check out Riley Black's latest book, The Last Days of the Dinosaurs, where she traces the aftermath of the infamous asteroid impact that did the dinos in. It's on sale right now. I love it. I'm definitely going to check it out. Thanks, Perbita. Got a question for the editors at Popular Science? Send an email to ask at popsci.com. Ask Us Anything is produced by the editors of Popular Science. This episode was written and reported by Prabita Saha, based on a Popular Science article by Riley Black. Editing and audio engineering is by me, Jess Bodie. Big thanks to Billy Cadden for writing our theme song, and to Katie Belloff for creating our logo. If you like our show, consider rating it on Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. It helps us out a lot. For more PopSci audio content, be sure to check out our sibling podcast, The Weirdest Thing I Learned This Week. Thanks for listening.